Welcome back to Quantum Leap. We are the podcast that explores how we achieve new heights in leadership, business, and our lives. David Wolf here with you, as always, with the Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Estroviak. Terry, welcome back. Ah, thank you, David. Lovely to be with you again. Always great to be with you. And it's uh, uh, this series has been, I mean, it never disappoints. Uh, you've always got something to share that can uh, do all those things that we just talked about and help us uh, sort of move towards the quantum leap idea. So what's cooking in your neck of the woods this week? Well, the idea, and I'm, I'll give it a heading, in fact, David, and we'll call it Moments of Truth. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And the reason that I say that is because this is something that occurs. It's a kind of challenging moment in our lives where we are forced. When I say forced, nobody else is forcing us, but where we feel a tremendous surge of uh, energy on the one hand and a tremendous need to be able to deliver something on the other hand. Ah. And that's what becomes a moment of truth. Can we deliver what we need to deliver at that specific moment? Mm. Or are we going to fail at doing that and then forever live with the consequences? Wow. And so that's what I wanted to just share with, uh, with, with friends and with people around the world today. Okay. I'll tell you how this all started for me. I, you know, this was many years ago before TV came online and we used to read books in those days. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 100, 130 years ago. Sorry, folks. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> uh, and one day I was reading a story in the Reader's Digest when I was a kid about a little boy who went out with his grandfather duck hunting out in the, you know, in the, in the undergrowth. And his father wanted to teach him how to shoot effectively. Now, you know, that's a controversial area in the United States, shooting right. animals. But anyway, this is what I read at the time. And, and, and this, it, was, it made a huge impact on me. This is what happened. The little boy went out, and the very first time that he tried to shoot down a duck when they flushed him out of the, uh, the reeds, one duck uh, was there, and he took aim, and he fired, and he managed to bring down the duck. And he was, of course, ecstatic. Probably said to himself, "Well, this is easy. I can if I've done it once, I can do it again." Mm-hmm. And uh, he, after they had little had the dogs go out and fetch the duck and bring it back, he said, "Well, I'll, you know, let me do some more." And he started to shoot. And um, after about an hour or so, he had had no success whatsoever. Whatever had happened initially was obviously a total fluke. And uh, he, he wasn't able to reproduce it. Hmm. And he was getting more and more despondent as he went along. And the grandfather saw that this was happening. And he said, Danny, I'll tell you what. He said, the next time that you are going to take aim and fire, he said, create a picture in your mind. Imagine it. Imagine yourself with the rifle in your hand and Imagine the feeling that you had as you were tightening the finger on the rifle. Imagine the feeling of expectation that you had, the sense of excitement. Imagine the positive thought that was running through your mind as you had another success coming. Hmm. And just keep that in mind and nothing else. Don't let any negative thoughts swamp your mind. And he did that. And lo and behold, the next thing that happened was he was able to reproduce his first successful experience. Now, in itself, it might be today, it might be uh, 
in, in context or out of context. It may be uh, something that people don't even want to be thinking about. But at that time, it made a huge impact on me, the thought that I could perform differently with a completely different mindset. Now, the reason that it was valuable for me was because I had started to play tennis quite seriously. And I was training and I was playing in tournaments and uh, our club tournament had come up and I was about, I think at that stage, about 17, 16 or 17 years old. And there were the old guard players that were winning time after time and they were crafty and they were foxy and they knew exactly what to do. And I came in and uh, I've got to admit that I felt totally intimidated by these experienced old guys that uh, they just seem to have buttoned up all the possibility of anybody else having any victory of any kind. So when I played in this match, the first match, I got into the final eventually, and I was extremely nervous about it because I had never played in a final before. I never even got that far. Hmm. But to actually win the match was something different. And there was a point during the match with, in the final that I was playing where I suddenly felt the energy drain from me and, and I started to get a bit negative about myself and started to even accept the fact that I was going to fail. And then I thought about this story about this little boy who went out duck hunting. And I said, let me try this. And what I did was I imagined the last shot that I had hit successfully in the game. And as I went to face the ball from a service from my opponent, I had this thought flowing through my mind. And I pictured that in my mind as I was about to serve. And I got the, the picture in, in my mind so vividly that as I went up, as, the, as I threw the ball up into the air and served, the ball came flying down into the, into the court and, uh, and I won the point. And then I knew that that mindset was exactly what I needed. And as I went along from that, I had a, I suppose, almost an excess amount of uh, optimism and energy uh, that flowed through me, and that made me eventually would go through and win the match. Hmm. And uh, that was a huge breakthrough for me in belief, belief in myself. And then in the years that went by after that, I felt that I had made the breakthrough. I never needed to look back on it. I knew that I could do that. And when I went into other tournaments later on, I, I started to play much more effectively. So we could call that a moment of truth. In the area of quantum leap, quantum leap is such an extraordinary change in our way of doing things that we have to come up with something out of the ordinary for it to work. Yeah. It's not just a, an incremental change that we make from day to day. So I wanted to just follow through on that. I mentioned that the idea of moments of truth came from a book from Jan Carlson, who was the head of Scandinavian Airlines many years ago and changed the whole culture of the organization to, to recognize what moments of truth were. And he wrote a little book about it as well, a booklet that you probably would be able to find on, on the Internet. But two of the examples I just wanted to share quickly that illustrate this moment. What happened was one day a customer had been in, in, a, in a big city somewhere and got to the airport and suddenly realized that he'd left his ticket and his passport on the shelf in his room. And uh, to go back would have been at least 45 minutes driving time and he wouldn't be able to catch the flight if he did that. 
So the 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 person that was servicing him at the airport from Scandinavian Airlines immediately phoned the hotel, explained the situation, and uh, somehow or other he solved the problem. How did he solve the problem? He actually ordered a taxi to go to the hotel, fetch the passport and the ticket, and bring it to the plane so that this gentleman could actually catch his flight. Wow. Now, that was way out of the procedures that any employee at Scandinavian Airlines would ever normally use. But what he had done, Jan Carlson, that is, what he had done is he had freed up anybody at any moment to do the right thing for the customer to make sure that the customer was excellently handled. And so the decision-making suddenly passed from top-level management right down the line to anybody who recognized that they could make a difference to the client's experience. Yeah. Another thing that happened was it was at Denmark in Copenhagen. Um, uh, they suddenly realized that uh, there was a plane leaving in about 45 minutes to an hour, and the food hadn't arrived yet for that particular flight. And they didn't know what to do. They would have had to postpone the flight and it would be a connection to other flights and it would be a real mess, the whole thing. And uh, whoever was in charge at that moment, whichever manager it was or supervisor, saw that there was another Scandinavian airline flight very close by on the, on the, on the airport's uh, tarmac, I suppose it would be, and uh, asked the authority from that particular flight – that was leaving much later than theirs, whether they could take the food from that flight, which had just been delivered, and remove it and take it to their flight. And uh, they managed to sort it out without there being a major catastrophe or a major delay. And so that became a culture profile in the whole organization, and they called it Moments of Truth. And the point behind it is that young Carson said at any one moment, in any one day, there are literally thousands of moments of truth where the airline, the airline's image is being judged or perceived by a customer, and the right things have to be done at that very moment. And you can't suddenly have the bureaucracy getting involved in making a decision. You have to actually trust the people that have got the job to make the decision and go along with it and, 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 and solve the problem. And so when we talk about quantum leaps, that kind of thinking is related to quantum leaps in that it's so out of the ordinary. There's no experience that we can look back on and compare it with anything else that we may have done. But in order to have that additional energy, that additional belief in ourselves and the possibility, in fact, the probability of making the right decision at that moment. And that person in any organization knowing that at that moment they are doing the right thing and will move far ahead of what anybody else is doing. That's the kind of chemistry that makes the difference between the average run-of-the-mill people in organizations and people who are prepared to take quantum leaps. And it's the same quality that organizations take in order to move ahead of the crowd. But it requires tremendous courage and a total passion and belief in what they're doing. Wow. And, and there's so many ways this can come about. Like you mentioned, the organization versus the individual, like you on a tennis court. These, these, these 
moments of truth, uh, these pockets of energy, it's one thing to recognize them and the other is to have the organization or the individual completely prepared to be brave and to make the decision on the fly, if you will. Uh, this Wonderful. is really, really good stuff. Wow, Terry. Amazing. Of course, uh, we should let folks know to tap into your wisdom as a coach uh, and a catalyst around Quantum Leap. Your website is www.qlcat.com. And, uh, of course, uh, we're working on getting this and all of the content that we've been generating over many, many, many weeks with Terry available to you and searchable on the website soon. Uh, And if you're listening to this in the long tail, it's already there and you can search for it now. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Terry, as always, amazing to be with you. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Thank you very much, David. I enjoyed speaking with you once again. 